you're here. Hope you have a sense of expectancy. We, we prayed God would give that to us. It's hard for us to stir that up, but the Holy Spirit can stir it up. A hunger, expectancy for Him. And uh, we like doing things different around here. So today we're actually going to start off with our 10-minute speaker. And because I believe what she has will help us enter into worship. And then we're going to sound the shofars. If you have a shofar, you can just let her rip out there after this 10-minute speaker and before worship. And then uh, they'll see what God does today. Does that sound okay? If we, Yeah, man, just, well, there are no rules. The rule is he rules. And so, Lord, we commit this day to you. We yield to you. We yield to the Holy Spirit. And we just uh, declare Jesus Christ as Lord over this gathering. And all that you want to do, Lord, today, have your way. Prepare us for worship. Prepare us to meet you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Here's Lori Hankins, our 10-minute speaker this morning. Give her a hand. Thank you. Ooh. So I've been here since, um, I don't know what time I got here, about 8. And... Uh, I come uh, in the morning because I love this worship team and I'm their intercessor and they think I'm really cool for doing that but the truth the truth I'm addicted to the presence of God it's really bad I'm really selfish <laughs> I'm like they think I'm so good I'm not I'm just like in love with the presence of God and I figured something out I figured out that where two or more are gathered in his name he's there so it's really, really fun to come. You know, they're practicing and there's stuff going on, but you know, the presence of God is the most important thing in my life. It really is. Um, I, I've had this message kind of swirling around inside of my heart, and it's about faith. And one day I was here and I was looking around and I felt like the Lord said that people don't really understand their position when they come to church. Because I hear, sometimes I hear people, you know, I've heard people out in the community in different places, you know, well, that worship just wasn't good today, or this wasn't that, or, you know, there's a negativity sometimes that goes on about the church. And the truth is, it's about each one of us. You know, I'm a nurse, I was, I've been an RN, I've had a long career as a nurse, and, um, you know, I love to study the human body, and there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities. Now our lungs, um, each one of us as we breathe, we have an atmospheric pressure that goes on that keeps our lungs working. And if you, know, if you have a collapsed lung, basically that pressure's gone. And you have to have it repressurized. And it's all about atmosphere. And in the spirit, each one of us has an atmosphere. So when you walk into a room, you bring your atmosphere with you. And you're accountable for the atmosphere that you bring. So if your atmosphere, and, and you're not in charge of your atmosphere, or your atmosphere is negative, you know, you're going to affect the atmosphere around you. Now, if your atmosphere is positive, if your atmosphere is full of the Holy Spirit, you can come into a room and you can change the entire atmosphere of the room, but it's based on one thing. It's, it's based on faith. Now, I love Hebrews 11. It talks about faith. And faith is the substance 
or the real being of things hoped for and the evidence or the reality of something not yet seen in this realm of things not seen. That's basically what faith is. So you walk into the room, you know, today, here we are, we're about to worship. Now you walk into this room and if you're like me, you want to really get into the presence of God because the presence of God is where I change. You know, from glory to glory to glory. I want to be in the presence of God more and more and more. Now, these guys here, the, you know, these are the ushers of his presence. That's what they do. They start playing songs and they start worshiping, and they're to usher you to help get you to that place so that you can participate with the atmosphere that's in you by faith, hoping for something unseen, you can begin to change the atmosphere. One of my favorite people in the Bible is Enoch. Now Enoch, it says about him, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. That's all there is. How did he please God? He believed. He didn't come in and say, well, God, if you're there, he didn't do that. And that's what we do sometimes. We walk in and say, well, let's just see if God shows up. You know, we have a negative, we don't understand faith. We don't walk in and we, we don't come in and we don't go, I'm here. My presence of the Holy Spirit in me has walked in the room. I'm going to take charge of this atmosphere. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship with all of my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, because I want to see the presence of God come. Because that's where change takes place. Now, there's going to be people around you that may need that atmospheric change. They may be having a hard week. They may not even know the Lord. Who's responsible for them to hear about it, to enter in? We are. This worship and the stuff that goes on here is our responsibility. Every single one of us is in charge of the atmosphere within us. Now, you can be going through hard stuff. You know, Paul and Silas got beat up really bad. They got whipped and they got thrown in prison. Now, in prison back then, it wasn't prison here. Our prisons are like, let's go on vacation. Their prisons were like, we're going we're gonna to beat you, we're going to put chains on you, and you're going to just maybe rot and die. Their whole, this, in this prison, their whole idea is, man, we may not walk out. We may be dead. They just, you know, like the cross, that's, that's there. You know, they changed the atmosphere of the prison. How did they do that? While they're hanging there in, in bondage, how did they change the atmosphere of that prison so much so that prison doors opened and people got saved? There's prisoners that come around you you don't have to go go somewhere to find a prison. You know, there's prisoner. You can be a prisoner in your in your own atmosphere because you know because you're in bondage to something. So how are we as the people of God going to break those chains? See what I'm saying? You've got to take your atmosphere. You've got to take charge of the atmosphere. You have to walk in and you say, "I'm responsible. I am going to worship." I'm free. I don't care what kind of trials are going on in my life because that is temporal and I'm eternal. 
You can have two kinds of eyes. You can have internal eyes, or you can have eternal eyes. That's what Paul and Silas were doing. They weren't looking at the internal situation. They weren't looking at their physical bodies. They knew who they were. They knew who they were. Do you know who you are? You're saved, man. You got eternity. Yeah, you might be in this, you know, sometimes it is a bit of a, a hell to go through sometimes. It isn't real. It isn't the truth. You can go through it because of eternity. But if you don't have your eyes on eternity and you got your eyes on this realm, you're not going to change the atmosphere of the room. You're not going to change anything. And when you stand before the Lord and he says, you know, how'd you do through that little test? You're not going to have a, a good outcome. The tests are important. You cannot be an overcomer without something to come over. The more he loves you, in fact, the more he loves you, the more things he gives you to overcome. Because he loves you. See, we have to have eternal eyes. If we get our perspective right, and we can see all these trials going on through the right perspective, we're going to bring change to the atmosphere. We're going to set the captives free. Every single one of us is called to do it. We're called, you know, Enoch believed. That's why. You know how, how Abraham became the father of faith? He believed God. That was the whole sentence, that he believed God. So when you walk in, when you walk in the room, believe God. Just believe him and start, start worshiping. Start changing the atmosphere. Take accountability. Say, Lord, you know, I'm going to be a fool for you. You watch these guys on football sometimes, man, those guys, you know, and that's acceptable. You paint your face colors and, you know, do all the stupid stuff, and that's okay, but it's not okay to be crazy here where it's real. We're going to have to get real. We're going to have to, you know, let's, let's break off the bondages, break off this eternal, internal, internalized thing. Quit internalizing everything eternalize it. Let's get free. Let's worship. Let's enter in. Let's go with these ushers. You know, they're bringing you into the show. <laughs> the greatest show on earth. His name is Jesus. You have the privilege to come in. Amen. We're good. All right, let's worship. Oh, wait, one more thing. Stand up, everybody. Stand up, stand up, stand up. I want you to put up your right hand if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and you are totally his. Okay, now I want you to put up your left hand too, both hands, if you want to love what he loves. Okay? All right, now I want you to turn around and look at the surrendered church around you. You see any enemies out there? I don't see any enemies. This is the surrendered church. Yeah. Go for it.
Open up yourself and invite the Spirit of God to overflow, to overflow, overflow, come and overflow, yes, stir it up, stir it up, we need you, Lord. to us, God. Reveal yourself to us like we've never seen before, God. Open our eyes. Just lift your hands to Him. Ask Him to overflow. Ask Him to increase. Lay down your inability. Lay down your inability to touch Him. Let Him touch you. Let Him change you. Let Him rearrange you today. Let Him rearrange you today. Play. 
bless you guys for leading us this morning to worship. It's awesome. This was a good day. I don't want to mess it up now. I mean, I just wait. This is a good day. Oh, yeah, this guy, we got to tell you about this bucket. A week ago, we, we prayed Monday mornings at 7 to about 1 or so here. But then Thursday night, we pray at 6.30, and um, this guy was rocking in our, on our bench. No, rocking in a chair, not on the bench. Rocking in a chair on the, uh, around the deal there, the welcome center, the porch. Hmm? Yeah, no, I'll tell it, Shirley, but it's okay. But anyway, this guy was deaf, and he couldn't speak. He was Jewish. He was a Jewish guy that was told to come to the gathering. He didn't drive. Somebody dropped him off in Boomer. And he got here, and he's sitting in this rocking chair. And it was his birthday, and he was 55 years old. 5'5", five, five, Grace Grace, on his birthday. It's been prophesied that Jews would come, you know. And people are getting ready for that. And, um, and also believers will come looking for refuge. And anyway, that was an amazing thing. He, so we... We wanted to get it right because, you know, we couldn't communicate. You have to write it out. And he wrote it out. And um, anyway, it was pretty wild. I wondered, was he an angel? or what? I thought maybe, what if this is Jesus? You know, what if Jesus is over here? He's a Jewish guy. <laughs> and uh, we, we wanted to get it right. So anyway, we figured out he lived in North Wilkesboro. But anyway, we just it's an offering for him. He just you know a lot of things going on and so we just blessed him and, and we'll keep blessing Bobby but there's a prophetic sign in that you guys know what I'm talking about they're going to be coming they're going to be coming and um, we just got to get ready well praise the Lord we had a wonderful time on Apple Hill yesterday and I was telling Tony before you know there's so much you can talk about in this hour there's so many things going on and uh, it's really hard to focus. Lord, what exactly are you saying? And I, I heard him again this week, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. You know, there, there are, when you're on a river, you can get off in the tributaries and you might catch a big fish, but you got to get back eventually onto the river, into the big river. And so we want to keep things the main thing. But uh, the main thing is Jesus. And when he, he is lifted up, then people are going to connect with him because we don't have the answers. How many of you know that? I mean, there are going to be things going on today you, we don't know. We just know who it is we can turn to. And I'm telling you, there are big things going on in your life. We don't have the answer, but we know who does. And we're going to point you to him. He is the way, and, and there's nothing impossible with him. But we do want to live in, we in, we're in the world, but we're not of it. I don't know how many of you saw Rick Joyner's word this week on how far we have fallen. How many of you read that? We, we sent it out. That shows me not many people read our emails from the church. But if uh, we do send out an email newsletter every week. And I wanted people to read Rick's article because, you know, being a pilot, he could identify with what happens when you get into this spiral. And there comes a point of no return. You can't get out of this death spiral. And he was talking about how close our nation is to going into that spiral that we'll never get out. And I was thinking, you know, we heard so many words about September and October and uh, the fireworks were going to begin and, and so some stuff didn't happen. And so a lot of people just rolled over and went back to sleep. 
We can't afford to go back to sleep. You know, the Lord is very merciful. It's his will that none should perish. He wants his church ready. And he wants his church on fire. The fireworks are going to come. But the greatest fireworks are to come in here, in the midst of his people. I mean, the world, they only have little fireworks. The church, Jesus, we have big fireworks. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, raising the dead, healing the sick, doing the stuff of Jesus, the ministry, that's the big fireworks. And it, it will overcome the fireworks of the world. But, um, but there is a steady progression. Just because the world didn't fall apart in September and we got a few days left of October. Listen, it's a progression. Things are happening. Don't go to sleep. Keep getting ready. Keep pressing in. Keep running after Jesus. You want to be one of those he uses in this hour. You don't want to be a bystander. You want to be a participant in the things of God. This is what we were created for. So don't go to sleep. Does that make sense? So if you go to sleep this morning, I'm going to call you out. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. But you remember, as in the days of Noah, life was going on as normal. Marrying, giving in in marriage, all these things. Until the day the, the door was shut. And that day is going to come. But right now it's open. And so as long as it's open, man, let's run after the things of God. Now, I'm going to tell you one little bit of startling news, and then I'll tell you why I'm sharing that, and then we're going to get into something. But I got this email this week from the North Carolina Pastors Group, and they're meeting with pastors all over the state, and the title of it was, Department of Justice Moves to Monitor Christian Hate Groups. And it said that this past Wednesday, I, I got it probably on Thursday, so probably the Wednesday before, said this past Wednesday, and they give his name, the Department of Justice Assistant Attorney General spoke an event at an event and he announced the creation of a new position in the Justice Department that will coordinate the fight against homegrown extremism. You know who those homegrown extremists are, don't you? They're not, the, they're not those who chop off your heads. They're those that are radical for Jesus who believe that abortion is wrong, that, that marriage is between a man and a woman, and you know, simple things like that. Fox News, uh, uh, you know, different groups that are, are, are do, the American Family Association, you know, that's a really bad group. Uh, the Family Research Council and groups like that. He goes on and goes into great detail, and then he's challenging the pastors. When I read this kind of stuff, I say, God, we've been doing this. You know, we try to do this all the time. I wonder how many else are doing it out there. Maybe they are. I hope they are, but he challenged pastors in North Carolina. He said, you must proclaim fearlessly the whole counsel of God in this hour. And then we must courageously educate our people as to what's coming. You don't want them in the dark. You want your people awake and alert. And when stuff happens, they just keep on happening because their eyes are looking up where he is, and they're looking. In fact, he said this, if we don't have revival soon, this stuff is going to happen. That fires me up because I'm going after revival. You are too. That's why we're here. Listen, I don't know all the stuff's going to happen, but I want God to happen in America again. And we're not going to give up. They may take some of our heads. So be it. The head of the church, they'll never cut off the head of the church. His name is Jesus. 
He goes on. That's why we want everybody on fire. Young people. We, we're having some young guys come all of a sudden. Man, they're on fire. We got to have younger kids and younger. Everybody has to be on fire. When fireworks start happening, if you're on fire, it's no big deal. It, it won't be such a shock to you. And then he said, we must lead our people to engage in the battle of truth. And we've got to be in that battle. If good men do nothing, then the worst of evils can happen. And so we got to do stuff. Now, why would I share that? If you're new here, we, we talk about the things going on because the gospel is good news when the backdrop is bad news. In fact, the, the good news is gooder. Can I just say it like that? It's gooder. It's better. Let me give you an example. You get a uh, diagnosis, man, you have terminal cancer. You're living, you're, gonna, you're not going to live. You're going to die in about three weeks. Okay, so that's bad news, right? How many of you know that? And then you go to church like this, like today, and somebody prays for you, and they have faith, and you have faith, and all of a sudden you're healed. Then you go back to that doctor, and he says, I don't understand. You used to have cancer. See, it's right here. I see it. But now I don't see it. I don't understand. That's good news, isn't it? You'd be a lot more excited then if you'd, than you would if you had never received that diagnosis. You know, if you go to a doctor and says, hey, guess what? You don't have cancer. He said, well, big deal. I knew I didn't. I don't want that stuff anyway. But if you were told and then you were healed, that's good news. So that just tells me. I'm going to try to hold some things back today till next Sunday. But we're going to have great opportunities in this hour to give a reason to the world as to why we have this hope within us. It's going to be good news. America's gotten a little bit, you know, gospel, I don't know, whatever. We had too much something. But I'm telling you, the gospel that's about to be preached over this land it's going to be, with a backdrop of bad news, it's going to be the best news that's ever been shouted from sea to shining sea. Does this make sense? Some of you are saying, this guy's lost his mind. Good, I'm trying to get you there too. we got to lose our mind. You don't want to think about all this stuff. I mean, you think about it, but then you go on. So let's pray, and then I'm going to get to the Word, all right? I really am going to get to the Word. I did. Yes, I did. You know, I, all this preacher stuff they taught us, you, the etiquette stuff, fooey on etiquette. I mean, Paul said, he said, I don't trust in the excellency of speech. If I did that, man, this gospel, the power would, it wouldn't even be present, but I'm trusting in the power of God. We got to have the power of God. I've been hearing that all my life, and now I'm we got to see the power of God. We're not backing up. It's like when I was single. I remember I prayed for Shirley before I knew Shirley, way before I knew Shirley. And I remember the day I was praying. And I said, God, if I never get married, I don't, if I never get married, I'm going to stand before you one day on, and I'm before the throne. I'm going to say, thank you, God, for hearing every one of my prayers because I know you're a God that hears and answers prayers. Then after that, it didn't really matter. I trusted him anyway. Then not too long ago after that, Shirley showed up. You know, sometimes you just got to get to that place. God, I don't care. I believe you anyway. I'm trusting you. I'm thankful, period. Amen.
All right, let me get in some preaching mode here. No, no, no. No, Lord, thank you for this morning. God, would you release something here today that is inexplainable? Oh, God, the church in America is desperate. We are desperate. And we know there are many, many others like us. Lord, come. It would be a little better if you could start the fireworks show before the fireworks break out in the earth. Let them break out now, Lord, in the church. Let us be the, the greatest show on earth, the greatest story ever told. Lord, let it be. Lord, let a harvest come in now that would overwhelm us. In fact, Lord, maybe it could even avert some of the things they say are coming. Lord, you're coming. And when you come, everything changes. And so would you come this morning and, and meet the needs of your people and be glorified. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. There's a man, he was a British missionary by the name of C.T. Studd. He must have been a stud is what I thought there. But he was on the cricket team. He probably was awesome. And he was in the late 1800s. Here's what he said. The poem is too long. Can't read it all. But you've heard it. Or you've heard part of it. It says, only one life. Yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Some of you heard that. And that's a true statement, isn't it? Remember the psalmist, he said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a wise man or a wise woman that comes to the conclusion they're not going to be here forever. That their days are numbered and we must run the race. We must be about doing what we've been born to do while we can. Because life is uncertain. I mean, if you know that, there are no guarantees beyond today. The psalmist, Psalm 39, said, Indeed, you have made my days like hand breaths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man is at his best state but vapor. I mean, if you remember that. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Then over in James, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then what happens? It vanishes away. And in that context, in James chapter 4, it says, Therefore, let him who know to do good, do it. For those that don't, to him it is sin. And, you know, one day all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. How many of you know that? It's not a part of the great white throne judgment if you're in Christ Jesus. But we will stand at the judgment seat. And we're going to give an account we are stewards for the gift that God gave us, the money, the resources, the time that we have. And uh, we're going to be held accountable for not only the deeds done in the body, but the things we should have done that we didn't do. How many of you know that? Things we could have done. God gave us the commission. He gave us the opportunity, but we squandered the opportunity. And one day we're going to stand before him in that. I, I've shared this before, but I heard someone say years ago, and it stuck with me. They said, the greatest or the most important time in your life that you'll ever live is right now, today. The most important place you will ever live is where you're living right now. How many of you know that? Because, you know, we have this thing, I want to be here, I want to be there. No, right now is really the most important place you'll ever live. 
And the most important people you will ever be around are those that you're around right now, today. Because there's no guarantee. Now, he may move us. There may be new people, new crowds, new faces. But you're only guaranteed today. Everybody agree with me? And that's it. It's the most important time. David Hogan came here twice, preached out of the same text. Now faith is. Remember that? You can't forget it. Now faith is. And I'm telling you, now faith is. This is the day of salvation. This is the hour we've been created for. And we got to run the race. Get ready. Don't go back to sleep. And even when the fireworks begin, and they are coming, as you're, I'm telling you, they're coming. You don't believe me? Just remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. Read it again before you go to bed. It's a great bed night story. And there shall be famines. And, but then remind yourself, these are the words in red. It's not, it's not just what somebody read. They are in red. It's Jesus. Now, but I want you to go with me to John chapter 16. Amen. Everybody with me? It's a great day. I love when the leaves change. I was, um, the other day, I was looking at the leaves up on the parkway. And I said, wow, man, this will take your breath away. That's what I was thinking. This will take your breath away. There was some spots, it was dazzling. And that's what I thought. This will take your breath away. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you better keep your eyes on the road or you may lose that breath. And it'll never come back. You know, you could go off this thing. It's deep down there. You don't want to go off on a mountain road. I don't care how dazzling it is. You know, yeah, does that make, that's silly. I know you're saying, that's silly. I'm just, I'm being real. Because, yeah, because that's what I thought. Man, this is taking my breath away. Well, you better look at the road. It's the last breath you'll ever take. You know, we don't tempt the Lord. We don't do stupid stuff. It's like texting. Don't text when you drive. That is stupid. You couldn't blame God if something, like if something bad happens. It's stupid. Don't do it. My wife is reminding me. I don't do that. I don't. I only did it a couple times. <laughs> and she told me, don't do that. And I heard the Lord listen to your wife. All right, John chapter 16. I'm just going to breeze through some things here. Look in verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Now, Jesus is speaking. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. You know, why would Jesus say, I tell you the truth? Because he tells us the truth. He is the truth. He's not capable. Let God be true and every man a liar. If anybody disagrees with what God said, they're the liar. He's the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. I will send him to you. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? And when he has come, say he has come. When he has come, we were praying this morning. I heard the Lord say, there's coming a time. I'm just going to believe it's going to happen today. That that's going to change from, from saying when he has come to our testimony will be he has come. Not when he comes, but he has come. Or when he came, put it that way. And we'll go around telling people, when the Spirit came, 
You won't believe what happened in my city, in my state. You won't believe what happened in our nation. The Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit came, and everything changed. How many of you know that happens? And I'll show you that. So look, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Can I repeat that verse? I like that verse. Verse 11. Of judgment. If you just read that part, you think, oh, it's just all about judgment. Yeah, it is about the ruler of this world being judged. Can I declare that over you? The ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. Now, there will be a day. He will be in that bottomless pit forever. We understand that. But for the believer, he has been judged. He was made a public spectacle of when Jesus triumphed over him in the grave, through the grave, in the resurrection. And then he goes on, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And that's true, isn't it? Some things the Lord doesn't say to us because we couldn't handle it. You know, there's some things he doesn't show us until we're ready for it. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. And verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare to you all things that the Father has our mind, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Now there's a, since we have some English guys here from across the pond, I was thinking about General William Booth, and he was born in Nottingham, England. You guys were know, know where Nottingham is? Is it anywhere where you live? About 40 miles away, that's pretty good. He was a Methodist preacher. How many of you know what General Booth founded? The Salvation Army. His wife was Catherine Booth, remarkable woman. He also got a Nobel Prize for literature. But he listed a list of prophetic warnings that you and I, this generation, would face. And I wrote about it in one of my books. And since I wrote about it, I can talk about it today. But I just wanted to remind us there's some there are prophetic warnings. And then I want to add one to it as to what I want to get to in the Scripture. But he said, first of all, there would be a day where there would be politics without God. Boy, did he come true on that one. You know, on our money is in God we trust. But the question today is, which God? Which, God? which one? Now, we know there's only one. And so all the other gods have to be dethroned so that he can be enthroned. But our, our founding fathers knew that any government that tried to, re, you know, leave out God, they would try to become God. That's what socialism is. I am your God. And you are dependent on me. That's what socialism is. You will get your check from me. You will get your food stamps from me. You will get your gas from me. Big government. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. And so our forefathers knew that. But they based our form of government on the Bible. That's shocking to tell people today. You could be almost arrested for that. But our forefathers based this country, our constitution, on the Bible. Let me give you an example. Isaiah 33, verse 22. How many branches of government do we have? Three. All right, listen to this. 
You know what they are. But for the Lord, here's what Isaiah 33, 22 says. The Lord is our judge. What does that represent? Judicial. The Lord is our lawgiver. What is that? Legislative. The Lord is our king. Executive. It's the three branches. That's where they got it from. And our forefathers knew that a nation whose God was the Lord would be a blessed nation. But a nation that replaced God as their Lord would be a cursed nation. And they knew that. And then he said, beware of a day where there would be heaven without hell. Heaven without hell. He's right there too. Where is all the preaching of hell? They used to. I heard about those hell, fire, and brimstone preachers. And from time to time, I try to be one a little bit. You got to have a little bit. Because it's in the Word. Listen, Romans 8, or Romans 1.18. The wrath of God is not just coming, but has come. How many of you know it says that? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven now against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, it's true that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. But He sent His Son into a world that's condemned. They did not believe in Him. And when we do not believe, then we love, the Bible says, you love, men love darkness rather than light. And the Bible confirms that hell was created for who? The devil and his angels. But the key there is hell was created. And there's some people today, they don't believe it exists. I'm telling you, there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. There's a hell to avoid. And we need to let people know. And Jesus said a lot about hell. Remember he said, if your eye offends you, you know, or your hand or your feet, just lop them off, man. It's better to go in life lame than be cast into hell with two eyes or two feet or two hands. Remember that. And then another place he said, don't fear those who can kill the body. Like the believers in Iraq and Syria are well aware of. Don't fear those who can kill the body, but after they kill the body, they can toss the soul and the body into hell. And Jesus says, have a fear of God more than you fear anything else. And then Booth said, beware of a day where there would be forgiveness without repentance. There is no such of a thing. Everybody, you know, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. No, you're not. Unless you repent. Repentance means you acknowledge that sin and there's a change in your mind, a change of direction. You say, I recognize this is sin. And so I turn away by faith. Now God gives you the grace, doesn't he? He gives you the power. But repentance is turning from something and turning to the one who really can give you the power to live that way in the first place. And so there's no such a thing. And boy... Is, uh, are his words ringing true? Then he said, beware of salvation without regeneration. That's a powerful statement. What was he, a prophet? You guys in England, did you raise up prophets? You did. And America benefited from the men and women that God raised up in the UK and in, the, in all of the British Isles. But without regeneration. You know, you don't, just because somebody comes to church occasionally you know doesn't mean they're going to heaven it, it doesn't mean that at all we were talking yesterday about this lady that where we were in mississippi she played the piano and the organ and all that stuff and we gave an invitation one day and when i was pastor there a number of years ago oh no no she got saved at another meeting in in the city 
But anyway, she got saved and she came to us. Guess what? I got saved. I gave my heart to Jesus. We were stunned. We said, wait a minute, you're a good woman. You play, you worship in this church. You lead us. What do you mean? She said, I mean, I got saved. I, I'll never forget Billy Graham. Is he the one that said this? He said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Did you hear that? Remember that? It doesn't do that. It's not, you're not going to be a Big Mac, a Little Mac. You must be born again. And we got to shout it in this hour. Listen, we got loved ones. They may have grown up in some religious setting. We got to pray, God, don't let them die. Something else Billy Graham said. He said that many people have just enough religion. They've been inoculated from the real thing. So pray for our loved ones. God, don't let them be inoculated from the real thing. And then repent for showing them religion. And say, God, convict them. When someone is born again, they're born from above. They're not born of a church. They're born from above. And then they, get a, they become a part of a fellowship of believers. And then he said, beware. Here's a good one. Beware of religion without the Holy Spirit. I think about Timothy. They had a form of godliness, but they were void of the Spirit. You know one way you can tell if the Holy Spirit is around? He's holy. He's the Holy Spirit. That's not a big, you know, oh, duh. That's, it's real. He's holy. He's holy. He said, as I'm holy, be ye holy. Without holiness, no one, no one will see the Lord. And so we come to this place, God, I can't be holy, but you're holy, you're my holiness, and so I surrender to you, I yield to you. And then as you die, he lives in you, and guess what comes out? Holiness, because he's holy. That's how you can tell. When the, and there's going to be a move of holiness in America, I'm telling you. Couldn't, and we'll get there in just a moment. I don't want to get ahead. And then he said, beware of Christianity without Christ. There's no such a thing. It's like, you know, they tell us, you want to leave Christ out of Christmas. And they want to do away with the uh, nativity scenes. Listen, there's no such a thing as Christianity without Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And I know there's going to come a day, and they're going to say, if you tell people he's the only way, you will be defined as a hater, and we're going to come get you. Come and get me. Because I'm telling you, I'm not backing off. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. If they come and get me, then you get up here. You tell them. And then if they get her, you come. And then one after another, they're not going to do away with all of us. I'm telling you, there's only one way. His name is Jesus. He's not any other. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And then he said, no, he stopped saying that. Those were the six things that General Booth said. Now, this is mine, and this is why I want to get back to John. I want to add this. There will be a day of conversion or pretended conversion without conviction. And the Lord really spoke to me this week. America has not really known. I know we've shared this before about this vision that Paul Keith Davis had. But America has not really known. We've known bits and pieces in, in Pensacola and other places. 
and the great awakenings. But listen, God wants to send a move of conviction again to the earth. Man, those guys in England, when they used to preach and they came over to America, they preached with conviction, great conviction. People would fall out in their pews. And that's what they had in those days, you know, and they would crawl to the altar because of the spirit of conviction. Now, we have not because we ask not. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask God to bring the spirit of conviction back. Listen, compromise will kill conviction. But conviction will do away with compromise. It's the answer, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just look back in John chapter 16. There's about six things the Holy Spirit, when he has come, will do. Number one, I already told you, he will convict the world of sin. You ever tried to convict someone of sin? It's, it's impossible. You can't do it. we got to have the Holy Spirit. I... Uh, Another, you know, Rick wrote that article this week about, you know, how far we've fallen. And he did such a wonderful way. He, he addressed all the issues. But then he wrote another article on the Great Awakening. And uh, we must be cut from the same mold because that's where we are too. We're looking for a Great Awakening. We are cut from the same mold. But he shares a story about Jonathan Edwards. Now, he was, he was Northampton, England. He was another one of those guys. He preached in England and nothing happened. He came to America in Connecticut, and the Spirit of God fell. He preached this message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. Now, I know in America, we don't have an angry God anymore. But in those days, they understood the fear of God. They understood the anger of the Lord. They believed what the Bible said about it. And when Jonathan Edwards preached that message, he gave a detailed description of people falling into hell, and their eyes were open. And the Holy Spirit came and convicted people. And there were mass conversions in America in those days. I'm telling you, it's coming back. When the Holy Spirit comes, conviction follows him. Even the most hardened sinners, the most hardened, our political action stuff is not working. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts the world of sin, even the most undescribable sin. How I many of you know it? Doesn't mean we don't vote. Doesn't mean we don't do those things. But our hope is in God's house. It's when the Holy Spirit comes. And uh, in fact, let me just remind you. I won't turn there. I'm going to get through this. But Acts chapter 2, remember the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit falls and the Peter stands up and he preaches and he says, this Jesus whom you crucified, remember that? Who you crucified, your sins. That's what has to happen. We have to realize, wait, my sin nailed him to that cross. And it says they were cut to the heart. How many of you remember that? They were cut to the heart. That's conviction. And they cried out, what shall we do to be saved? It's coming to America again. When we had revival in Mississippi at that church for those weeks, a pastor told me in our church, we had revival. The Spirit came, and they even wrote about it, and they published it in magazines, and on, it was in, uh, on uh, television. And a pastor told me he just drove up to a gas station, and a young person from the school came and knocked on his window. Let me, let me talk to you. What, what can I do to be saved? That's what he said to the pastor. What can I do? I want to know Jesus. 
They're starting to talk about Jesus in my school. And I want to know, who is he? And he led him to Jesus. It was a remarkable time. I'm telling you, when, when conviction comes, they're going to start knocking on our doors. That's why we got to build that place out there. The doors are too small. They're going to come. The harvest is too big. Now, I'm going to wait and share this next week, but let me tell you a little preview. There's a harvest coming from the left. Let me say that again. I know you had to think about it. There's a harvest coming from the left. I saw it in a dream. Liberalism. There's a harvest coming. I'll explain it later. Because there's going to have to be a little shaking for that to happen. A little stuff, fireworks and all. But it's coming. They're going to knock on our doors. Tell me what I must do. And then there's another example of being cut to the heart. Acts chapter 7. Stephen, remember? Man, they're cut to the heart. They became furious. Who does he think he is? He's looking up, and he's, they're trying to stone him. And he's looking up. I see Jesus standing at the right hand. You know, he's, he's having glory on his face. It made them spitting mad. They went ahead and got bigger stones. And so they'll be that too. They'll be that cut to the heart. But I'm looking for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit... Not only will he convict and will he convince of sin, but he'll convince of righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus. That he is who he said he, he is. He, bring, he, he brings that. That he became sin who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. And then third, the Holy Spirit will convict that the ruler of this world is not going to be. But let's all say it together. He is what? Judged. Who's the ruler of this world? The devil. Now, God owns the earth, over the earth, but the devil is the ruler of this world system. He has been judged, and the church is to proclaim the written judgments, which, which are, is God's word, over the powers of darkness. And will make known the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Remember that scripture? It's going to get exciting. And then... The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will guide you in verse 13, verse 13, into all truth. What is the truth? Remember Pilate? What is truth? People today want to know. Nobody's telling them the truth. They turn on one channel, it's a lie. They turn on another channel, it's the same lie. Then another channel, it's the same lie. It's like Lie after lie after lie. After, and it, what did Hitler say? He says, if you lie to the people enough, eventually they'll think you're telling the truth. So he had, that, he had that agenda, that way of lying to people. And so you just tell lies after lies, and eventually people will go, they'll just think it's the truth. We're not going to think it's the truth. Because those who know the truth are free. You're not under that. You can know. He has come to lead us into all truth. You think you know a little bit now. Let me tell you, the best is coming. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you into knowing the truths of the kingdom of God, the mysteries of who you are in Him. Not only the righteousness of God, but the righteousness that's in us. It's been imparted to us. And then He will speak what He hears from the Father. He hears. Same thing. We need to only speak what we hear. The Father saying. And then He will tell you, Things to come. Having dreams is not just for me. It's for all of us. 
The Holy Spirit will show us things to come. The key is, when you get a dream, you think it's going to happen the next day. And that sometimes creates a little, you do, well, what you, I thought you showed me that. Listen, the timing belongs to God. But he's showing us, he's showing you. How many of you are getting dreams of things coming? Yeah, hang on, they're coming. My sheep hear my voice. Now some things through repentance, some things are given so we'll pray about them. Somebody shared with me something this week, and I knew what it was. It was, we got to take action so what they saw would not come to pass. You know what I'm talking about. There's, there's, it, it motivates you to obedience. There are warnings and uh, to keep you on the path. But hearing the Holy Spirit and things to come is normal Christianity. Look at the person next to you. Say, hearing about things to come is normal. You're going to hear about things to come. So you won't be shocked when they come. The Lord said, I already told you it was coming. Remember that? We read that. And then he will glorify me, Jesus. The answer to every problem in America, the every problem in Great Britain is Jesus. We don't want Great Britain left out of this. We're not going to have it. I know they tell us liberalism is on the rise. Yeah, good. That just means the gospel will have more of an impact. It's getting dark. Good. That means the light will shine that much brighter. The glory of the Lord will arise over you. I mean, these guys helped birth our nation. I mean, you know what I mean. They sent great preachers over here. Where'd the Wesleys come from? Weren't they from there? Jonathan Edwards, all these great preachers. Man. Now, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't know. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> you, you don't know. But I'm telling you, I had a dream years ago about some connection with England. And when it happened, a great harvest was coming. And last night, it happened. I'm like, I'll tell you one day. It's one of those stories you, you tell after it happens so you won't look like you're stupid. You know what I'm talking about? You, know, you know what I mean? It's when it happens, I'll tell you, this is what happened. This is cool. I'll tell you about it. No, I'll tell you. You'll know it happens when they stream in on this property from the north, the south, the east, and the west. There was a lady showed up at our prayer meeting Thursday night. She said, what many have seen. She said, I see in this field campers flooded all over the fields back there. That means we got to buy that field back there. I don't know who owns it, but give it up. We need it. There'll be campers. Something's happening. They're going to come from all over. The hills, the mountains around here. People are buying up land, getting ready for a great harvest. No one ministry will be able to contain it. It's a move of the Spirit of God. And people are getting in place for this. And, but I'm telling you, it's coming. But we've got to have conviction. Conviction. And that's what I want to ask the Holy Spirit to do. I'm going to ask the Father to send afresh the Holy Spirit. The script Jesus said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and judgment. And we know what they mean now. And he will lead you into all truth. He'll glorify the Father. He'll show you things to come. All of the, When he has come, that's normal Christianity. 
And I pray that after today, we will change that, the wording of that. I mean, we'll still read it when he has come. But I pray it changes to when he came. When he came. When he came. One more time, God. Come to America again. And to the UK again. And to Scotland. Lord, all over Europe. South America, God. Japan. Lord, China, thank you for the underground church. When persecution rolled in, the church got going, became a powerful force in the earth, in China. Thank you for that example of faith. Thank you for the believers in Iraq and in Syria, those that are left in Syria. They've been run out. But God, thank you. We hear how they would not deny their faith. They would not, even at the cost of losing their life or the life of a loved one. Lord, we thank you for these testimonies all over the earth. Now, Lord, would you come back to America? God, we're asking you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you come? You said when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict. We're asking for another move of conviction upon this land and upon, Lord, the nation that birthed us, Lord, helped us, or where we came from, actually. Lord, we pray. Lord, send the Holy Spirit. One more time. God, raise up new Charles Wesley's, new John Wesley's, new Jonathan Edwards. Lord, raise them up. Catherine Booth's, John Booth. God, we pray. Come. Send the fire, God. Send the fire. Send the fire to America again. Lord, we're desperate. We're desperate. We're not going back to sleep. We're not going to roll over. We need you. We need you, God. Come, Lord. Lord, if you don't come, there's no hope. But with you, there's great, great hope, unexplainable hope. We thank you, Lord. Come, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come, conviction. I want you just to stand, if you would. Just stand. And I uh, have some, some of our ministry team. Would you guys, hey, JT, can you come? Are you still around? Is he still around to play something? If he's not, then just put something in. But some of our ministry team, come up. We want to pray for people this morning. I'm believing for miracles, salvation, listen, deliverance. I heard last week we had a little bit of that going on. We need more of that going on. It's been prophesied the dead were raised. So I don't know what that's going to look like. I'd rather have it look like a mess and Jesus show up than look like some orderly church service where everybody goes home the same. The same is not going to work. We got to have change. We got to, well, they talked about change and we got it, didn't we? But I mean the real kind of change in Jesus. And so you want to come, go ahead and play something, my friend. And, and you just come, guys. You can play, jump in. And you need prayer. You need a miracle. There are miracles going to take place today. There are miracles. If you're here without Jesus, come on up and let people pray for you. But if you're here and you've never been saved, this is the day of salvation. If you died this day, do you, can you guarantee that you would go to heaven? If you can't, come let somebody pray for you. Tell them, I need to know. I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want to know that if I died, I'd spend eternity with Jesus. 
and I'm willing to give my life to him today. Tell me how to do it, and I'll repent. I'll follow you. Do you need a miracle for healing? There's going to be miracles. But, Lord, we just ask you to come now in the strong name of Jesus. And, Lord, send the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we can't do it. This is a losing battle if it's up to us. God, it's not up to us. It's up to you. You're the big God that we put our faith in. And you said if we had faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, then we could even move mountains. Well, Lord, let mountains be moved today for people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Hey, we're going to be around for ministry, for prayer, and then we're going to have communion in just a moment. But come and, let, come and let people pray for you. Don't miss this moment. They're here. They're ready. Receive in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.